Welcome to Social Currency, where we give you the stories, information, and way too in-depth analysis to get you through your week. I'm Steve, joined as always by Christian. Go! And that's right. Today, we're talking about the World Cup. World freaking Cup, y'all. And we're pumped about this one. Christian and I are big-time, year-round soccer fans. We're not the no. World Cup starts and we're into it. We're like the we-know-the-names-of-the-guys-on-all-the-teams type players. Yeah, we weren't the Americans who, at the start of the World Cup, were going, all right, great, so when do the U.S. play? Yeah, no. Hey, can't wait, but you know what? U.S. isn't in it, but I'll root for Italy, right? Hey, right. Sure, why not? <laughs> but uh, no, we're, we're super into it. We both are English Premier League fans. I'm a Chelsea fan. Christian's an Everton fan, so we had tons of players throughout the World Cup to root for from our squads. Absolutely. So we decided for this episode that we wanted to help educate you on the glory of the World Cup because we know as Americans you have this blind spot to the best game on the planet. I mean, both of us agree this is by far one of our favorite sports to watch. Sure. And we just, we, we, we feel a burden. We need to, to help, you know, uh, get you, get you that extra step, you know, and, and, and yes, you're watching the world cup. Hopefully you are, or at least you've been soccer curious and you've been kind of just keeping, <laughs> keeping tabs on things. Right. We, we want to, we want to help push you over the line. Yeah. Maybe you're new to it. You're experimenting a little bit, <laughs> right? seeing if it's, uh, if it's something you're interested in. We're here to tell you that you are. Yeah. And were you a soccer fan all along or are you just becoming a soccer fan now? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and in full disclosure, I really became super into this after the last World Cup. I actually committed to Christian and our one friend who doesn't want to be mentioned on the podcast named it's Andy. Andy. It's Andy. Um, that I was going to pick a team. And the past four years, I can say I've watched more soccer than any other sport. I ended up picking Chelsea, and it's made this particular World Cup that much more fulfilling with the U.S. out. I always liked Italy because I'm 25% Italian. I have those roots. I used to root for Italy as well. So with them both out of the World Cup, I had a rooting interest with my players on teams. Definitely. So similar to the phrases episode where we went with with your favorite phrases and kind of explained what they went and kind of had a bunch of quick hit ones. We're doing that with crazy stories of the World Cup because there's a rich history here of wacky stuff that's happened over time and definitely some stuff that's interesting. Because even sometimes more interesting than what actually happens in terms of the play and the skill and the athleticism is just the drama <laughs> that unfolds right before your eyes. And it's on a world scale, which just makes it that much more amazing. So we we decided that we wanted to help give you the, the, the joy of these stories because we think that they will help make you even more interested in soccer. Yeah, and some of them we knew, some of them we did not. We did not. And they definitely, uh, definitely raised some eyebrows. Absolutely. So we're going to start this off with probably one of the most infamous goals in all of World Cup history, and it is cleverly known as the hand of God goal. Let me explain, because you might be confused. Isn't soccer only played with your feet? Why should any hands, whether they be from God or elsewhere, What's be What's God doing there? Right? <laughs> Let me take you back to 1986. This is the quarterfinals of the World Cup. England is facing off against Argentina. Now, at the time... Argentina has probably one of the best players on the planet in Diego Maradona. Now, and you might have seen Diego Maradona recently. He's been a little bit of 
a character in the uh, World Cup scene. Yeah, in the current World <laughs> Cup, they've gone to some cutaway shots of him when when Argentina has been playing, and he's been basically falling asleep or <laughs> reacting very violently. Yeah, um, not sure what could make someone do such a thing. Mm, Probably drugs. Maybe that's drugs. what many people suspect. I don't know. It's possible. Could be. Could be. So, but We're not he, here judge. But he was once a uh, he was once a great soccer player. Yeah, and actually, that's very in line with his character because he, yeah, he was kind of a larger than life kind of dude, and I think that. He just never really let that go as he got older. Yeah. Uh, but at, at this time, uh, Maradona is 25, and he is leading the way for Argentina as they progress through the World Cup. In the buildup to this game, there's a little bit of tensions, not just because, uh, I mean, Argentina was definitely starting to become uh, well-known in, in the world ranks. Uh, England, of course, is the birthplace of soccer, so they're always in the conversation when it comes to top-class elite teams. Uh, but four years earlier as well was the little <laughs> skirmish that they had over some islands, uh, notably called the Falkland Islands. And so there was some bad blood. To be, to be said, I think. Yeah, an actual war. Yes. Between yes. these two countries who are now playing in the World Cup. Yes, and the Falkland Islands, FYI, are still under British control, by the way, even though they are just off the coast of Argentina. Yeah, but did, did Britain win the game? What happened? Mm. Well, in the early moments of the first half, we have a goal from Maradona. Not too surprising there. Again, this is a guy that had been scoring for fun through the whole tournament. But the way that he scored would then go on to live in infamy. He jumped up for a header. He put said header into the other team's goal, being England's goal. Uh, but at least from the initial goal, it, it, there, there's, there seems to be something a little odd. And part a little of that, unorthodox. Yeah, part is because is as he is heading it, and the, the goalie comes out at the same time as Maradona, as he's heading it, he, he, you see his hand is kind of up a little bit. Now, again, you're jumping, you know, that's an upward motion, your hands kind of follow suit. But other angles show, actually, no, that hand is not just hanging out there. He literally punches the ball into the net perhaps deliberately perhaps or perhaps something, something else. else yeah so the minute this ball goes in the england defenders are just jumping out of their skins and running to the ref saying oh my gosh you know handball and they're and they're pumping their fists they're like he, he punched it in he punched it in maradona he's running the opposite direction celebrating like ah, i got scored it's a goal it's a goal right and they allow it but Maradona, as he's running away, he's looking over his shoulder thinking, are they going to catch it? Are they going to catch it? They're not going to catch it. They're not going to catch it. Yeah. And he's pumped. And by the way, we'll post these goals oh, yeah. and, 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 and silly shenanigans. You can, you can judge for yourself what you think about <laughs> yes. uh, this particular goal. But he definitely steals a couple sideways glances toward the ref to be, uh, uh, you know, sure. So why was this then called the hand, hand of God? Well, <laughs> this is where it gets even better. <laughs> oh, it sounds like something a, a clever announcer or a writer right. made up, right? No. Nope. Afterwards, <laughs> after they are talking to Maradona, and again, at this point, everyone is very well aware of the fact that he scored with his hand, um, which is a big no-no, by the way. Yeah, it were, is soccer. You shouldn't use your hands. You're not supposed to do that. Frowned upon. <laughs> Maradona says, quote, uh, that it went in a little with the head of Maradona, and a little with the hand of God. <laughs> so fantastic. Like, Which points for talking in the third person there as well. What a, I mean, what, what a just way to rub it in. Like, it's bad enough that he got away with one. 
it's bad enough that Argentina goes on to win the World Cup that year. Well, Argentina goes to win not that game two to one. Uh, so uh, England does end up getting one back uh, through Gary Lineker, but. Um, it's late and they're just not able to, um, that's the other thing I should, sorry, mention is that Maradona goes on to score a second goal. So then it's two, nothing. This and one so, with his feet, this one, an actual good goal. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, so England falls short and that's the game. And, and then, yeah, later on, Argentina goes on to win the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, um, that is rubbing it in a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Just kind of, kind of showing them up and being like, yeah, cause, cause you know, in England is just incensed right now over this whole situation so that's just and it's just classic maradona it's exactly what you would expect and you know is he insinuating that his hand is the hand of god or that somehow god's god's hand kind of nudged that one in uh let's debate what do you think (laughs) i think i think he's just uh given the size of the man's ego i'm gonna go with he thought it was his own hand right his hand is the hand of god that's i i'm with you yeah so since you're talking about headers why don't you uh keep us going with another interesting header per se this is probably the most famous header and it didn't involve a goal yeah you you've probably seen this if you're listening to this you've seen this yes in the 2006 world cup final featuring italy versus france the best player at the time, so this is kind of similar to Maradona, and we have a player that literally across the world is regarded as as the best soccer player. Zinedine Zidane, who was French, um, did something very unexpected. The game was tied at one one, and if you don't know, especially in the in the in games where it's a tournament type style like the World Cup, you have to have a winner. I know some people always get mad; they're like, "Oh, soccer has ties." They do. But in some cases, like again, a final, there there is a protocol to follow so that actually there is a winner that's determined. And so the protocol is, is that you have two periods of extra time and they're 15 minutes each. If after those two periods of time, think of it as like overtime for like American football, then it goes to a penalty shootout. And of course, at that point, whoever has the most goals scored through the penalty shootout wins. So it's 1-1, Zinedine Zidane, is you know with his team and everything the game is kind of fizzled out that like it's getting cagey because now nobody wants to lose the game right because it's you know really getting close to the end of the of the whole extra time period and so you want to take your chances there instead of losing at the very last second as he is walking back to the play and he's kind of jarring with one of the italian defenders a man by the name of marco materazzi out of nowhere, you see him do a complete about face and then headbutt the Italian defender right in the chest. Right in the sternum. In the sternum. And we're not talking like a little love tap here. This was like a horse kick to the sternum. Sometimes you see soccer players act a little bit, um, you know, a little bit of acting when they get hit yes. by something. This was a very legitimate fall based on the headbutt oh, yeah. that was delivered directly to his he sternum. He yells, he goes down, and it actually is real. Yeah. Um, wind knocked out of him for sure (laughs) right so unsurprisingly Zinedine Zidane is red carded which that means it's an instant ejection he is out of the game that comes into play because the game ends a short while later it goes to penalty shootout the best player on their team is not in the lineup to do that shootout Italy ends up winning the shootout wins the world cup wins the world cup now (laughs) There has been, even today, this this is something that happened 12 years ago, and even today, 
there is still so much that we don't know about this because here's what's wild. Zidane was 33 at the time. He was definitely toward the end of his career. That actually was his last act as a soccer player. So let me try to get this in perspective here. Imagine Tom Brady. Imagine it is Tom Brady's last season. We all know it. It's, it's happening. And the Patriots go on and they get to the Super Bowl. And it is a minute left in the game. They are tied up. And Tom Brady, Tom Brady loses his head and does something so stupid that he is ejected from the game and never plays another football game ever again. Like that just begs so many questions because you're like, why would somebody like Tom Brady do that? And again, that's what people have wondered. What possessed Zidane at this moment in time, knowing that this is probably one of his last games to do something like this and, and end it all and put his team in jeopardy too, like why? What? What? What happened? And so well, that's been the debate. And some people say, and they've been denied, um, that he called him a terrorist. Was yes, one? Was he, one accusation? So um, Zidane is French, but he has um, Algerian uh, roots, and so that that's why that would be a possible slant. That would be very hurtful. Suggestions that he said. Um, and this is the Italian not, defender, you mean? Yes, not so kind things about uh, Zidane's mother and sister. Yes, and actually the mother one was uh, later found to be untrue, at least by, by Matsurazi's first, or uh, his uh, own volition. He, he later went on to say, this, this, is, this is hilarious. He said, no, I did not say anything about his mother because my mother died when I was 15 and I would never do that. But apparently sisters are totally fair game. On, yeah, fair game. Yeah, you can talk about sisters all day long. Um, but then there's even something there to be brought up is, is that, again, this is a man who has played at the highest echelon of soccer. Do you not think in all the games he played and all the different places he played against all the different teams he played against that no one ever talked about his mother, his father, his sister. I mean, his, his genealogy, his heritage, like why in that moment something made him snap. And then another thing that's interesting about, which I think you flagged this for me uh, is that this was actually controversial because they saw the headbutt on a replay and yeah. gave him a card, and that had never been done before because replay wasn't used in soccer. No. So it was actually, there are some people who, even though he obviously headbutted someone and deserved to be sent off, who were not happy about it because the way the game is played, letter of the law, replay wasn't a th- hasn't been a thing in soccer until this World Cup. Yep. Yep, ref had to see it in order, and again, by by virtue of also to the linesmen's that were you know, running up and down the sidelines. So if they saw it, then that that also could be brought up to the thing. But some referee had to see it in real time happen in order for it to be considered for a penalty foul, whatever have you. In this instance, it got caught on film, and also in a weird uh, turn too, it got put on the the big screens, which normally they don't do because then that can incite riots and things with big fouls and people get all soccer fans don't mess around they don't um but it got put up on the big screens the ref looked up he saw it and then he basically stopped play and came and addressed it by sending Zidane off so yeah and then the final whole thing on this uh, is is that again maybe what he said about Zidane's sister was so heinous that it just could not be ignored action had to be taken there was something that had to be done 
why a headbutt? And why a headbutt to the chest? Yeah, it's it was a of all the violent acts, you don't normally see it. I will say super effective. Very effective. Su- and accomplish what he was trying to do. Some would argue that it cemented his reputation as kind of a badass. I mean, then like I mean, if you're going to go out a headbutt to the chest in the World Cup final, that's I don't think you can really do much better than that. It's good it's a good way to go. Uh so we talked about the ref not seeing something there. I have something really uh interesting that the refs didn't see uh in the World Cup just 4 years ago in 2014. Mm, okay. Yeah, man by the name of Luis Suarez one of the best players on the planet. Now, it's <laughs> plays for Barcelona. He plays for Barcelona, which is obviously a constant contender. Uh, it's one of the teams that people in the United States actually tend to be kind of familiar with. Uh, Lionel Messi plays on that team, right. who's one of the best players, you know, are like widely regarded by many as the best player ever to play soccer. So, Luis Suarez um, plays for Uruguay national team. He's playing Italy, who seems to get the short end of the stick on this sort of stuff, uh, more often than not, I suppose, but but that's okay. I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to make it. He's going up against uh, Italian defender Giorgio Cellini, and on the initial look, it looks like Suarez pushes him from behind. Cellini goes to the ground, throwing a fit. He's pulling his jersey to the side. He's running over to the ref. Why would he do such a thing? What happened? You look at the replay, what did the ref miss? Suarez bit him. <laughs> like, literally. Literally bit a chunk out of him. Like Mike Tyson style. Like, full-on bite, which you think, wow, that's pretty psycho. Why would someone do something like wow. that? Wow. 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 This is the third time now <laughs> that Suarez has bit someone. So, so- again, pause that right there. <laughs> Again, that by itself, this this instance by itself is just is too surreal to believe. But then you're telling me he's done this two other times? Two other times. Oh, my god! Once gosh. playing for IX in Holland, he's in the middle of a spout with somebody during a uh, sort of scuffle while play is stopped. Walks over, bites him in the shoulder. Almost identical to he what he did to, like to the, the Italian shoulder. player. That, that's his place. That's, it's, it's, it's a meaty spot. Well, shoulder's a good meaty spot. You, you I eat, don't know if eat like, shoulder. have... You know, pork shoulders is yeah that, okay oh right. yeah it's a thing for the ix incident he was uh suspended for seven games for that biting in 2013 while playing for liverpool he's playing against my squad chelsea walks up to ivanovich who's one of the chelsea defenders bites him in the middle of the box on the arm looked like maybe he was headed for the Ooh, shoulder for the arm this time. yeah and gets him like right on the arm so Plot twist. three bites which also was funny because this world cup they mentioned suarez was kind of getting in a scuffle they're like and he's been so well behaved this world cup <laughs> which is a fancy way of saying he didn't bite anyone yet <laughs> he hasn't been anyone so three bites for this particular one he ends up after the game getting a four-month ban from FIFA again, the governing body from all football. Like so, the other ones were banned from the other ones were banned from their play. leagues. In this one, he's banned from playing can't any up, kind of soccer. Yeah, none can't play a can't ball. Can't kick a ball. We can't have you biting people. No biting. This is three times now. <laughs> this is this is something that we can't Which, be this having. This is like daycare one hundred and one. No biting. Yeah. All right. No biting. Not now. Well, it's a three Not strike ever. you're out daycare type thing. And, and after the third strike, that's it. Four-month ban. Yeah. Um. So just a wild, wild thing from Suarez that you, you just don't see every day. And again, not even noticed during the game. So he, he played the rest of the game. Yeah. 
which is you know insane to me. And and, and I mean, and the the bite marks are real. I mean, you can see a red red spot in this dude's shoulder. Yeah, when he goes up, he pulls. You can see teeth mark the teeth marks yeah. of where it came out. So this is a tactic that which makes you wonder a little bit. So this is what he's done in professional play. Coming up through the ranks of of young club ranks and things, he's probably bit before. <laughs> I mean, this isn't something you once try. A biter, for, yeah, always a biter. Once he got the once he got the taste of blood, <laughs> I think uh, he's a biter. I think he got the taste of blood and went for it. But you know, let's not get distracted here. We're talking about the World Cup. I'm sure that's the only time he's misbehaved in the World Cup. Yeah. So no. Um, what? So Suarez um, in 2010, they're playing in a quarterfinal match against Ghana. Now. For reference, Ghana's an African country. No African country has ever been to the semis. So this is a huge opportunity for Ghana. They're on this uh, almost uh, uh, miracle run that people are watching. People are super invested in them at this point. They're sort of that team of the tournament that's exciting that you're watching. You're thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, Pulling for them. Tied 2-2. 120th minute of extra time. So this is, again, we mentioned that the way that... uh, this works is that you have 15 minutes in one period, 15 minutes in the next. So when you add 90 plus 30, 120, that's the last minute. Yep. Uh, minus the stoppage time. That's it. Like this is this is it. Ghana shooting the ball towards the goal, wide open goal. Suarez on the goal line jumps up like a goalie, takes his hands again, hands frowned upon in soccer. That's, that's a it's violation. pretty one swats it away. T doesn't try to disguise it. No. This ball is going in the goal. In the final minute, like basically this ball would go in and they would blow the blow it dead and Ghana would go to the semis. Suarez jumps up, swats it away. Now, of course, ref sees this one. It's a penalty. Great. Penalties are a guarantee, right? It's it's pretty, pretty yeah. you know, eight Most out of ten time, times, whatever it is. Someone someone's sinking a penalty. The the advantage is definitely in the uh the goal takers uh court because basically the goalkeeper has to guess i mean the ball comes in so fast they have to guess which way they're going to shoot they, they they don't have time to actually react and so it's most of the time a clear goal that's going to just be a but but ghana misses the penalty and which sucks. they then obviously blow the game dead we mentioned at that point they go to shootouts uruguay wins in shootouts <sighs> ghana is denied the opportunity to be the first african team oh. to go to the semis because good old luis suarez Jumped up, swatted it down with his hands, did what he had to do. Well, the man has it in him, right? <laughs> he does. This is the thing that's always bothered me. Slash, I, I, it's it's one that's come up uh, a number of times. Is that it, so? Did he do this nefariously? Actually, he says no, and I tend to believe him in that. Oh, he, I don't believe him for <laughs> a second. Well, I do in this instance, just because. Again, imagine. I mean, again, like you said, one hundred twentieth minute. We are defending for our lives here on on the goal line. And the ball is going in and, and just in that split second, I can imagine almost like playground style that the ball is going in and you're like, no, and you just, you kind of forget yourself and you just, you know, I don't want this to go in and like no, no matter what. And so, I mean, and if you see it in real time, that's what it kind of looks like. It's not like he's standing out there with his hands up. It's kind of, it just is going in and he just kind of like bats it down. Uh, so he didn't, mean to in the moment necessarily but then he also did because it just it it, it happened and it's clear by the letter of the law as you mentioned he is punished accordingly so he's red carded sent red carded it's obviously a handball that costs obviously handball 
he's gone. That means also then there's going to be a penalty kick from the spot. And as we mentioned, most of the time, that is a guaranteed goal, except in this time. So what makes this one so fascinating is, is that if he hadn't done that, that's goal, game over, Ghana moves on. But in the same sense, he did do it. And in the same sense, all of the necessary consequences were carried out. Yeah, on paper, everything was handled correctly. But man, that's a tough pill to swallow for Ghana. And, and Suarez is a funny character in the sense that... So I have this affinity for these for these soccer you players do. who maybe play a little bit um, more loose or questionable at times, uh, sometimes called dirty players by others, not me, <laughs> per se. Um, what, what do you, they're not squeaky clean. I, uh, like Suarez, I love. I love me some Diego Costa. Like, slightly... You know, like give me the dirty player all dirty. day over the guy who goes for the dive and lays on the ground. Give me the dirty player. So I'll take Suarez. I like I like me some Suarez. And plus, like, he's a wild card. Imagine playing a guy who could bite you at any moment. Defending him on every corner and every set play would be nerve-wracking. He literally might bite your shoulder. Yeah. So, you know, the possibility's there. But it's he's like a pit bull. How, yeah, well. <laughs> you never know. Did you feed him enough today? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Does anybody, has anybody, no. has Eventually no. Has anybody fed Luis today? Or is he, <laughs> no? Okay, all right. This could be an interesting game. But I mean, what I love is is that, oh, how quickly the world forgets. Even in this World Cup cycle, with all the advertising and everything has happened, there is an ad with him and Messi in it. And they're, of course, doing their thing. But it's like four years ago, no one wanted to touch him. Yeah. No one. And not just because he'd bite them. <laughs> they didn't want to touch him because you want to keep your fingers. Yeah. Yes. Right. Reputation wise, you don't want your team to be dragged through the mud. And then Barcelona signs him anyways. And then four years from now, here we are. And of course, he's, it's okay. Talent yeah, Trump's all. Right. Talent he's Trump's all. all. He is wildly talented, though, for all the crap. So, all the crap. Anyway. Well, sticking with the dirty play, I guess, we'll talk about another, <laughs> another game here. Uh, this was in 2006, um, which, by the way, I want to take a step back and say, too, that, you know, so 2006, same year as the Zinedan uh, headbutt. 2006 was the year of my. Uh, bad. awakening. Yeah. My soccer awakening. Um, because I had seen world cups before just a little bit here and there, nothing really too major. Uh, but really nothing had taken. It just was kind of the thing that happened. I'd be more annoyed to be like, Oh, it's world cup, man. It's like on all the channels. You know, that, that was kind of my, my thing. A buddy of mine actually called me up and was like, Hey, you're going to watch the, the U S play Ghana again. This is in the 2006 game. And, uh, and I'm like, no, he's like, why not? You know, if they win, they, they, they move on. I'm like, Okay. He's like, you know, it should be a good game. I'm like, all right, fine. So I wake up the next morning and just something clicked in that moment as I'm watching it. And just, you know, that was it for me. Was it this game? No, it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll say why in a minute. But, uh, um, but yeah, something clicked and that just, so, so then all of a sudden I started watching the world cup games. And so, yeah, 2006 was where it all just kind of basically took off for me. And I mean, and again, and it ended with a headbutt and that just basically cemented my membership in, in the soccer This family. sport is wacky. This is for me. <laughs> <laughs> but this game that I'm going to talk about that also happened in that same World Cup was probably not one that would have kept me around if I had watched it. They call this game the Battle of Nuremberg, and that's because <laughs> it was Portugal versus Netherlands, and it is regarded as one of the dirtiest and worst World Cup games 
on record. Which the Portuguese, it's not super surprising from. They're conquerors. They took on Brazil, a huge country that they just took over. Bigger in their size. A little technology aided there. But the Dutch, they're nice. Right. Good people. Yeah. Yeah. They produce models. Yeah. (laughs) They love gold. Yes. This game was off the hook in all the wrong places. Um, 16 yellow cards were issued. That's a lot for a game. So you might see like two in a game. Yeah, and this isn't basketball where if you get a foul, then that's one foul to you. And then another one, that's two, that's three, it's four. It's like fouls are loosely recorded i say in the referee's mind and if it's a if it's a really bad one that might give you a yellow like we're talking really bad dangerous um, or clear goal scoring opportunity prevented then that's that's where a yellow might just be right right up there right now and if you get a second yellow then you're out you're out that's it you get two yellows a game so 16 yellows on a field with 22 people right is a lot of yellow. Pretty much everyone's getting yellow. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You get a yellow. You get a yellow. You get a yellow. Um, But then it doesn't end there. The same ref also issued four red cards. That's right. Four people were ejected from this game. And again, the level set, you don't see red cards really ever. In fact, the amount of red cards you've seen in the World Cup this year, I I don't know, has there been a red card in the World Cup this year in the entirety of group stages? Or I don't know there has been. I don't know either. So, but... But the point being, the fact that we can't remember one shows how rare this happens, that there might have been all of these games, however many games they're played with all these teams, and not a single red card, maybe one happened somewhere. And red cards in soccer are a big deal because you don't get to replace that player. So you're down now a man if you get, if somebody gets a red card on your team. And the red card player misses the next game. Right. So it's a huge deal. So four reds, four. Yeah. So they did the math and basically a card was being issued every five and a half minutes on average. It's unheard of. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the ref, Valentin Ivanov, again, a little card happy perhaps, but here's the thing. The fouls in this game, they run the whole gambit. Some of them were just straight up bad. I mean, we're talking people flying in dangerously and doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Then there was just sloppy play. Like, we're just like, just just sloppy tackles and sloppy um, passes and things. And so that was a part of it. And then you have on top of all that, the play acting, which I know, I know, gets a lot of people really, really mad. Myself included, as a huge soccer and, fan. And myself as well. Uh, I mean, again, Americans just can't stand the play acting. But, but, but the play acting in this game go to the point of, of like, the best comedy you've ever seen. I mean, and so <laughs> watching it, you can't help but laugh because because it's just that ridiculous. There's at one point where this collection of players come together like they're you know they're kind of jarring with each other a little bit back and forth, uh, and then all of a sudden one guy just randomly grabs his face and goes ah and like falls back. Like everybody's hands are down by their you know their their hips. Like no nobody and nobody's leaning forward. No, they're just talking. It was the hand of God. All of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> Ah! God smacked. (laughs) So, yeah. um, If you're curious about the actual result of this game, Portugal won one nothing. (laughs) Amazingly, I don't know how anybody was left to score or defend, but uh, yeah, just widely known as the worst game in the World Cup history. Yeah. One more for you guys that also hits on something that uh, we'll talk about a little more in the breakdown that frustrates me a little bit about soccer, as much as I am a fan. And that comes from the 1978 World Cup 
where Brazil was facing Sweden. Now, game's tied at 1-1, and they have what's called stoppage time Mm -hmm. at the end of each half. So at the 45th minute and the 90th minute, they have stoppage time. This is during group stages, so these games can end in a tie. These aren't the ones that must end in a result. Mm -hmm. And they're at the end of the 90th minute, and it's stoppage time meaning that they have, you know, a little bit of added time based on things. So they keep the running clock in soccer, and when people are injured or on the ground or they're replacing players or goals are scored, things like that, they just add that time onto the end of the game to keep the game flowing. In this particular instance, there were they were in the 90th minute in the stoppage time, Brazil's lining up for a corner kick. This is a great scoring opportunity. Now, Usually the way stoppage time works is they're not going to blow the end of the game until the ball's in sort of a neutral position, meaning that, you know, maybe someone shoots at a goal and then it's stopped by the goalkeeper. They punt the ball. Okay, let's blow the whistle now. Or somebody's just dribbling the ball around in in, around midfield. But if there's a whistle, but if there is a goal scoring opportunity, meaning that a team is in position to potentially score, the ref is not going to blow his whistle, even if it's past the time that was was originally thought to be for stopping. So like an example of something that would be really bad is this game's tied 1-1 between Brazil and Sweden. Let's say that they went to put down the corner kick and then they just blew the whistle dead right there. That That'd would be, be bad. really bad, right? That'd be bad. What's worse is that the Brazil took the corner, balls in the air, heads it in, goal, 2-1, Brazil wins the game, no. The ref blew the whistle while the ball from the corner was in the air. That is unheard of. (laughs) Yeah, because again, this is not... I mean, it's funny because even in basketball, that even wouldn't fly too because the shot clock, if it's gone off, doesn't matter if if it's left the hand of the player, that ball is free to travel and do what it needs to do. Yeah, so referee Clive Thomas, cool name by the way, Clive Thomas, sounds Mm. like he plays the bass for a smooth (laughs) jazz band, disallows the goal... Doesn't count, go and then that game ends in a tie in the group stages. And ultimately, Brazil isn't totally hurt by it. They end up advancing. They actually finished third in that particular World Cup. But wow, unheard of to blow a play dead with the ball in midair from a corner. Goal As bound. a soccer fan, it, that ends up scoring going in the goal. Yeah, nonetheless, um, just mind blowing. So we've probably used a lot of terms and things here that maybe you guys aren't super familiar with if you're not up to soccer. If you stuck with us, we certainly appreciate it. We want to explain to you a little bit more about that. I should also make a note. If you really are with us still at this point, required viewing is NBC's Ted Lasso videos Mm. starring Jason Sudeikis as an American football coach. And I do mean American football going and coaching in England soccer I don't care. We have shown, we've tested this. We've shown this video and there's two of them. We've shown them both to soccer fans and non-soccer fans alike and both are entertained. Yeah. So highly recommend I want to say we even got a thumbs up from Joe who doesn't listen to the podcast. No. Women named Joe. Can't trust him. Can't trust him. Can't trust him. Anyways. Let's break it down. Now it's time for a breakdown. All right, for the breakdown, we always love to go deeper into the topic and see if we can pull out some yummy goodness. Uh, this one, of course, being that we had a bunch of different stories that were all connected with the World Cup, uh, we decided to do a breakdown really on kind of some of the pressing questions that we often get when it comes to soccer. Anytime uh, a group of us get together and we start talking about soccer, there's always somebody that is kind of just 
hanging out around the fringes and they go, okay, but what's up with this? Or, okay, I don't understand. Why do they do that? And so this, I mean, it's funny because it only comes out generally speaking when you have these people that show their passion, I think for soccer. And so these people, they, they see not only one that, that here's a group of Americans that actually like the sport, but number two, I mean, it can't be ignored that the whole world is into this game. I mean, I know we are so short-sighted in the States, but literally the world is bonkers over this game. And so I think when you understand and recognize that there's, there is a large interest, particularly outside of our borders, it does make you kind of curious, like, okay, like what is this about? And like, what, what, why is it that these things happen or what? I, I don't understand that. So we want to try to do un, unravel those mysteries for you. Yeah, and I think one of the top ones that comes up that people seem to get mad about is, why are there ties in soccer? You can tie. You can tie. You can tie. Why y'all even do this? Yeah. Again, I'm dropping lines left and right from the NBC thing that I mentioned. Go watch it. Ted Lasso. Live. Um, It's live. (laughs) People, uh, yeah, people get really upset about this one and even get upset. Now, I, I, I initially, again, before when I was, you know, just a little soccer curious, pre soccer, um, interested i question this as well and now i'm at the point where i wonder if we could benefit from ties more often in american sports mm. which uh don't i've fallen on that sword don't do it ah uh, yeah it's people, not worth, people not worth dying for. people get mad but there's a variety of reasons for a tie so i think off the bat the outcome of the game sometimes one the two teams just play evenly and that's okay but when you get to the end of a game they've been running around for 90 minutes now long time it's a long time to be running so unless you need a definitive outcome in a tournament not going into the extra time is probably not worth doing that particularly because soccer only allows three subs per match meaning that once you're done with your three subs that's that yeah this gets into the almost of the red card kind of thing is that and this even actually happened in the most recent england versus croatia semifinal game happened like an hour ago before we, we recorded literally podcasting within the same time frame uh at the very end of the game uh england defender trippier yeah i think he injured his groin um he had to be helped off the the pitch but they can't replace him because at that point, this was well, well into the extra time. They had run out of subs. So England has to then play from that point forward with 10 men. So running a game longer, you can see, can have those issues by the number of subs, can lead to fatigue. And also, particularly in league play, as well as the group stages in the World Cup, the outcome of a tie is still a result. You get a point oh, yeah. for that. So if you win, you get three points. If you lose, you get zero points. If you tie, you get one point. A lot of times, a tie is actually a very good result for you. Uh, it can also obviously be a very bad result, but in the right circumstance, it can help you. Yeah, and that's actually the the thing that, particularly, again, when it comes to following leagues like the Premier League or the Spanish League uh, in, in Spain, um, that a yeah a draw can very much be a very important result and so you might be a scrappy team that is not going to ever punch above your weight when it comes to standing up to these big dogs but you have your day you defend really well or maybe you just uh, are able to get a goal in and and, and kind of lock things up getting a draw is immense then at that point 
you might as well have won because instead of walking away with no points, you walk away with one point. But then on the other side, if you're that other team and you were supposed to have mopped the floor with this team and now all of a sudden, instead of walking away with three points for the victory, you now only get one, you've dropped two points. And that means, of course, there are other teams that might be below you who could gain an upper hand because you didn't get all those points. And, and you can see this result where a tie feels like a win or a loss for a team, even in this most recent World Cup. A good example is one of the first matches in the World Cup, a great one with Spain versus Portugal. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a th- ended in a 3-3 draw. Cristiano Ronaldo... Uh, you know, the people that person that people argue about Messi being maybe the greatest ever with or definitely one of the best players in the world had three goals, had a hat trick in that game. And his third goal came in the 88th minute. So two minutes before they went to the end of the game, put it in, tied it up. Spain was leading at that point for the majority of the second half. So Diego Costa, who I mentioned earlier, who I like a little bit of a player sometimes with questionable morality and how he plays the game i think you referred to him as your baby boy oh yes a text chain throughout a text chain yes diego costa my beautiful baby boy yes yes indeed um had uh had a couple of goals and then a guy by the name of of nacho who uh again great name scored in the 58th minute so at the 58th minute on it's 3-2 spain and they look like they're coasting to victory cristiano ronaldo puts in a uh, stop, a set piece, which is when the ball is stopped and they get to just kind of kick it towards goal just outside, uh, just outside the box, puts it in, ends up tying, feels like a win for Portugal, feels like a loss for Spain, it's a draw, was a great played game, ends that way, feels really good. So, you know, when you think about the risk of injury, you think about the exhaustion that people are putting in, you think about the work that's been put in, and you think about the number of subs, there's a variety of reasons why ties make a lot of sense in soccer. And again, I'll say this, and this is going to get me in trouble with some people, but look at a game like football, where you play all this extra time, you see extra injuries, it's a violent game. Um, American football, that could potentially benefit, and there can be a tie result at the end of an American football game eventually, but if you just called it at the end of four quarters, it might not be the worst thing in the world for player safety, for health, uh, and all the like, the amount of minutes you take off. Um, even basketball, the amount of minutes you would take off people's lives um, or take off people's careers, um, things like that, even baseball. So, you know, sometimes I question whether American sports could even benefit from it and just give some level of a half win or, you know, a tie in the uh, and tie in the uh, score column uh, from a tie. Well, and even too, in the situations where there have been a tie in the NFL, those actually have been important results because now instead of being like one game back from somebody or one game over them, you've got that tie in there and that, that messes up everything. It so, lingers. Yeah, I mean, so again, you can't say that there wasn't a clear result from that. It definitely was a detriment to some, but even for others, maybe that half game difference very much could actually be the the tell the tape. You'd see different strategy. You'd see people, you know, kick a field goal for the tie, go for touchdown for the win because you need it at a certain given time because there's not overtime. So it means on fourth down, you're going to not be going for the field goal because you need to win. So it would change the dynamics of strategy within football. Um, American football, it, it would be an interesting thing to me. And again, I get killed when I mention it, but I think it would, it would be interesting to watch. It's very thought-provoking. Yeah. Let's tackle another one. Uh, the low-scoring nature of soccer always seems to rub Americans raw. And <laughs> we want to add some ointment to that. We've gotten to this place where we, we're all about action, right? It's all got, you know, there's got to be a result to this whole thing. And even gets with, with the, the draw, right? If you have a 0-0 draw, 
to most Americans, that is uh, a Might sign as well have not watched the game. Yeah, it's boring. Might as well not watch the game. Zero, zero. Why right? do you watch? Nothing happened. But that's where you get to a soccer culture difference where a game can be incredibly thrilling and have no goals scored because of the play that happens. Like that's the thing I think that initially that captivated me when I first became involved with soccer is that watching these guys run at full stretch and then boot a ball 40 yards down and some dude trap it on their chest, even though the ball's been like flying at a million miles an hour, like softly you know, catch it basically without their hands and then put it at their feet and then rock, you know, rocket it into the, the, the goal or to, you know, where they hope to score. Like those things, when you are a soccer fan are almost as good as scoring. Now, don't get me wrong. Goals are goals and we love them. And in that three, three draw that Portugal and Spain had six goals, that's a great game. Two by my beautiful baby boy, Diego Costa. (laughs) But, but, that's not the only reason that we watch. We watch for the play. We watch for the, the intricacies that happen. And also, too, again, with soccer, there's just so much going on in real time. That's what just blows my mind. In real time, these players are making these decisions and doing these things. It's not stop, talk about it, find a play, and then we go, and then we play that play, and then we come back, we talk about it, we do another one, and go. There's there's very much stuff that's happening at the moment, and that can be appreciated. And, and so and sim- I'd say similar to basketball in the sense that yes, they practice together, but they just know each other's tendencies and the organic things that happen on a soccer field right. are beautiful in the sense of, you know, you watch basketball players who go for alley-oops that's, that's out of the playbook where they just know that a guy's going up. I mean, that's what soccer's like. It's, all bets are off. They're just dribbling down and trying to anticipate where the person's going based on having played with them. And, um, you know, another thing I'll say is like, yes, there can be 0-0 and 1-1 games that are boring. No doubt about it. Yes. But there are 0-0 games where incredible goalkeeping has kept incredible shots where the balls hit the crossbar three times or, you know, somebody's had a, an opportunity where they shoot it and a defender gets it on the goal line, then a goalie knocks it out, then it hits the post. So there's incredibly exciting things that happen on top of the sort of beautiful play development that you see and and bits of skill that you see that can happen in a 2-0, 2-1, 1-1 type game. So while it's not, you know, a, you know, 10-3 to game, by any stretch of the imagination, it, it's still extremely interesting and has a lot going on. And I encourage people as they watch to start to look at the skill that it takes or try some of the things outside that you see those guys do. So <laughs> have someone have someone kick you a ball twenty feet, even twenty feet away, and try to trap it with your foot. Uh, you know, an airborne ball and try to trap it for, with your foot and see what happens. It, it's probably going to go flying in the other direction. So you know the things that they do, the way that they kind of juggle and go through things. Um, it's really exciting to watch. So, you know, despite the low scoring, there's a lot of development that happens. Yeah, and I think the more that you open your eyes to soccer, the more you start to appreciate those those finer elements. Let's let's talk about another big one though: play acting. Mm. This gets everybody. And this is one that I think ticks me off a little bit more. Now, I understand the need to set your team up so you have a guy calling for a foul in basketball really no different than that you know like lebron james best player in the world he goes to the hoop he asks for a foul every time um so i get that and so setting your team up in that position to me when it goes overboard and the guy i always mention is someone like neymar Mm -hmm. who is brazilian on the ground brazilian guy um 
a place also regarded for, place as for one of the best one of the best in the world plays for uh um Pierre Saint Germain now which is a, a team in Paris previously played for Barcelona with Suarez and Messi mm. um he dives a little bit more than I like but again part of it is what's a dive for those who don't for know. those who don't know a dive is essentially somebody you know maybe hits you in the back and you dive down and grab your face as if something terrible has happened or in circumstances maybe someone tangles your feet a little bit and instead of trying to power through it you go to the ground yeah slight contact to you could have stayed up on your feet but you intentionally chose to play it up as a bigger foul than it is and most of the time these fouls happen within what we call the box which is the penalty box that is outside of the goals it's that big huge box you see there is about 18 yards away from the goal so in that space if there is a foul called that um is uh, foul called on on the team that's defending that then leads to a penalty kick so obviously if you're a goal scorer you want to draw a foul in that box or just around it because then you get a free kick which while it's not as easy as a penalty kick a lot of goals come off those what they're called dangerous areas it's a dangerous area to get fouled um so but again you think about it as giving your team every advantage which again, you hear, you know, every NBA player goes to the hoop and thinks they're fouled every time and asks about it. Uh, you have NFL players calling for pass interference where maybe it wasn't a thing. So um, calling for holding where it's not there. So so it's not like that's uncommon in other it's sports. In sport. It's a little bit exaggerated in soccer, though. Yes. And to me, and again, I think it's part of the game. But to me, when it gets to the extreme levels is where it becomes, um, you know, that's where it becomes more problematic. Yeah, and Neymar in particular has been, I think, the focal point of the play-acting debate just because he had some very, very egregious play-acting where when you watch it in replay, the other guy comes nowhere near to kicking him, yet he is writhing on the floor like, I don't know, he just got shot or something. Yeah, or he will actually kick somebody while dribbling the ball and then dive to the ground, which is why I like players like Messi or one of the players I really like, Eden Hazard, who plays for uh, Belgium and Chelsea, my favorite team. They tend to try to go through the contact on the with the interest of scoring a goal, whereas Neymar will actually almost dump a good scoring opportunity, kick a guy and take a dive. Right, just to get the foul. Uh, by the way, I will say the one positive that's happened through all the play acting uh, that has occurred in this World Cup has been the memes are just out of control. They're amazing. Yeah. Like, have you seen the Neymar one where he's just rolling basically an infinium? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that word? Infinium? Could be. It is now. Infinity. Forever. Yeah. He's rolling forever, but it's like, and it's set to keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, there's a yeah. couple I've seen with music with Neymar rolling. That's <laughs> really good. Down the road, down an avalanche, all sorts of things. But yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And I, the only thing that, that I can say that sometimes for Americans is hard to understand is, is that we're looking at this through our cultural lens. In other cultures, the play acting is just a part of the game. And if you can get an advantage, if you can do something that will, uh, again, give you an opportunity to score or get somebody sent off through a foul that didn't happen, I mean, more power to you. So I don't like it. I don't think it has a place in the game, but I'm also limited in my perspective because I know in other cultures, again, that may be okay or or at least may not be as frowned upon kind of more like the struggle show was like ah well you well know, and it, it, these things happen and it happens in every other sport right. we just don't highlight it as much or we don't t- look at it as much it tends to be soccer that gets the bulk of that these guys are acting these guys are diving but you see it you know one well, is funny too with the advent of video replay there's now a whole other component 
uh, to this whole thing, which is that if you can play act and at least pause the game long enough to get maybe somebody to take a look at it, a second look, they might actually cause you know some some problems there because they could actually look at that look at that infringement almost the Zidane kind of way and say something happened here and then now all of a sudden there's a card issued or somebody sent off that wouldn't have happened because in real time nobody saw it. And retroactively in the Premier League they will issue cards after the fact in yep. games. But yeah, the introdu- introduction of replay could completely change this because if they start getting people in real time on these acting plays, it's going to become the risk reward with a major acting play is going to start to uh, kind of become more imbalanced for sure yeah another thing people seem to be confused about or don't love or kind of want to explain to them is why is there a running play clock yeah in soccer we're used to the clock counting down yeah it counts down and it stops when play stops this clock counts up and it keeps going what's up with that what's up with that Ooh, we, <laughs> what's, what's up, up with that, that y'all what's, what's up, up with that, that? <laughs> so why why does that happen well the flow of the game naturally through soccer is uh, different than really any other sport in the world. Yeah. In the sense that um, it depends on build a lot of buildup. You see guys pass the ball backwards a lot to their to their defenders, to their goalkeepers, to their midfielders before they ultimately set up a shot that gives them an opportunity to score a goal. So flow of play is important. Stopping the clock and stopping, starting, and having the ref worrying about getting a clock going not ideal. In addition to that, we mentioned stoppage time. So again, when the ball goes out of bounds or there's a goal scored or there's an injury, they just add that time on at the end of the uh, at the end of the half or at the end of the game. So maybe there's four minutes of stoppage time and unless their name is Clive Thomas. Correct. Clive Thomas is, doesn't play that. But um, you know, and then even if there's stoppages during stoppage time, the ref's discretion is they can add extra time on so that's why the when you if you've been watching the world cup they made a point to say at least four minutes left when there's four minutes to stoppage time again purpose of that is to keep the flow of the game so you don't just suddenly stop them right then and there you keep the game moving and then you help them set everything you let them continue to set up for that final four minutes let them run don't stop it in a scoring situation again unless you're clive thomas and keep the game moving so purpose of the running clock is to keep the game fluid and keep the game moving yep and it's actually pretty good too uh, because you don't get get into the whole thing of uh just like yeah like a game going on forever and ever and ever because it's like there is a set amount of time and yes time can be added here and there but for the most part it's 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 pretty well organized and and getting back to my original point a couple uh, minutes ago talking about the whole like way that soccer flows it's just incredible that because that there really isn't these set plays that they run you know they're just they just know to be in the spaces that they need to be in they know that there's a certain strategy they're trying to enact but even the coach can't really do much influencing from the sidelines once the game has started i mean they are basically a spectator i mean they can shout commands and they can try to dictate play in that way but all the players are doing hopefully what he instructed them prior to do but it's also really just happening right then right there and as things change and flow that then is what you see and so the clock is just an active part of that yeah you want to make a list i really do let's make a list all right it's the final everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. 
All right, so this is the portion of the show where we make a list, and because you can tell that we're soccer lovers, soccer. we're going to each give you three reasons to watch soccer, and these three reasons are going to be a little bit unorthodox, maybe not what you would normally think. We're not going to talk about it being the beautiful game or those sort of things. We're going to give you three reasons that you might not have thought of to watch soccer and why it's something that you should invest in starting to watch this year. Yes. We're helping you out. We're just we're giving you a little nudge. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm going to kick this one off. Kick it. All right. So my number one is trying to get in shape. This is a great treadmill or spin bike sport. Mm, okay. And by that, what I mean is it's constant movement for 90 minutes with a short intermission at the half. So for me, what I found is not just watching Chelsea, my team of choice, but really any game, watching Everton games is Chelsea with your, your interest. Team of choice, you've mentioned it a couple times. I, <laughs> I think. think it might be um, watching um, Andy, who doesn't want to be mentioned on the podcast, team of choice, uh, Manchester United, your team of choice. My friend likes Arsenal. These teams in the English Premier League, I can watch them on replay. I can watch them live. And for 45 minutes, you've got something to distract you for at least one half, which is a decent chunk of running or spin bike time to just be concentrated and locked in on something. Uh, it's a great opportunity if you just want to zone out and focus in. So for me, um, as I try to get myself into shape and I, I like to run, you like to run, I find it's 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 by far the best treadmill sport versus football. Start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, commercial. Basketball, stop, 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 and commercial timeout, go. No commercials, you're just running straight. Well, and you have unwittingly... Uh, addressed one of the concerns of one of my friend's wives who used to always make fun of him whenever he'd sit down to watch soccer and she'd be like, oh, you're going to watch other people exercise, huh? (laughs) So in this case, that's what I get when I watch CrossFit. I watch other people exercise. (laughs) So I watch, you know, I exercise while I watch people play the sport. And again, with the no commercials at any point in that 45 minutes, you have straight sport to watch. Love it. It's awesome. That's an interesting one. All right. Yeah. So a little different, but um, highly recommend. Um, Number two, especially if you watch the English Premier League, it's on early in the morning, and so your team is going to play sometime between the hour of 7 a.m. and noon at the latest on a Saturday, which means that, especially for us as parents, we're up anyway because our kids are going to wake us up and we're going to be up and out and about. You could at 8 a.m. or let's say your kids sleep in, you get solitude, 8 a.m., couple hours of time, sit down, it's 10 o'clock, you have the whole day in front of you, you've watched your team play. If it's a big rivalry match, let's say that, you know, Chelsea's playing Everton and we get together for it, maybe we get squirrely, have a couple beers, 10 in the morning, do things that, you know, hooligans do. What could go wrong? So the fact that it's on early in the morning is great. It's almost like, I heard it described by someone, it's free sports. You know, it's free sports Ooh, because because yeah. it's like you're used to waiting. Because if it's a football game, you got to wait till the afternoon. Wait till Sorry, noon. Say, huh? Yeah, no, no, you got it. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like a big chunk of the afternoon, mm-hmm. and and then now when the game is over, you're basically into the evening. And so, what happens then? Yeah, and and I went to so I'm an Ohio State alumnus, and for me, Ohio State gets a lot of primetime games, so I have to wait until eight o'clock and be up until like one in the morning watching a game. Um, and my best case scenario, if they're playing some like kind of you know, push over tomato can of a team. I get them at noon and I have to wait till three 30 that to be over. And it kind of eats your day, right? Soccer almost always by noon. I have the entire Saturday or Sunday in front of me. So the early in the morning thing is, is really nice. Free sports, free sports, free sports. Um, thing number three. And again, people might roll their eyes at this one, but look, 
we're over here in the States and let's say you're not looking at the, uh, the MLS, you're looking at the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga or any of the other leagues that exist in, uh, in Europe, you get to pick your team. You don't have affiliations. So I joined as a free agent, decided I like Chelsea because they have an owner that's like a Bond villain. They had a coach who had, who says hilarious things, um, that are, uh, you know, maybe not the nicest at all times and had that forward. I mentioned my beautiful baby boy, Diego Costa, Mm -hmm. who most forwards, uh, they tend to get pushed around a little bit. Diego Costa does the pushing. He grew up um, playing in parking lots and rough places. So he does a lot of pushing. Um, Tim Howard, notorious nice guy he got tim howard to try to fight him on the field that's hard <laughs> that is. that's hard tim howard is a very calm, calm cool collected guy so you get to pick your squad and i think that's cool so i got to affiliate with a squad that i now have a deep connection to i never so i have this this weird phobia of flying over water i don't mind flying just over water not my jam i now want to go to england to go to a chelsea game because i feel so connected to this team and have become so connected to it um, watching it early in the morning, investing that time. So, you know, I think picking your team is really cool. Yeah. And the reason why, if you don't know, he's set it up as saying that we get a little flack for this is that, again, if you are in Europe, you don't have a choice. Whatever town you're from, that's that's the team you have. Now, granted, sometimes there are two teams in that town, uh, so you might choose if you're in manchester or whatever right. you know and there Lond- are london instances. has you know arsenal and there's like know, a ton of Chelsea teams in london yeah and, yeah it's t- um so i mean in, there are instances where you might break with your family line and go with with a different team but by and large whatever team is in that town again good or bad <laughs> they're your team yeah like if you're raised in liverpool you would only root for liverpool right christian no <laughs> no that's not true christian's an everton fan which is also based in liverpool so correct yeah um so yeah so my three great treadmill sport uh on early in the morning so you don't it doesn't eat your day on a saturday or a sunday uh and you get to pick your team uh so you could pick whoever you want good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. If you're like a Browns fan like I am, you don't have to worry about you don't. the Browns being really bad because um, you're not tied to them. So guess what? I picked Chelsea. They won the league the first year I watched. So <laughs> It's a good ROI. Yeah. So yeah, good ROIs. That's my, that's my three. What are yours? <laughs> well, not surprising, I think, to longtime listeners and also to Steve himself, but my list is similar to yours because we oftentimes share brain, but in a different way. So my first thing that I think will be advantageous to people relates to the time, but it's not not the time of when it actually airs like yours was. It's the fact that these games, and I'm talking about normal general games, are two hours. Yeah, that's, that's true. it. Set time. Absolutely. It's not going to be two hours and 10 minutes. It's not going to be three hours. It's not going to be two and a half hours. It is going to be two hours. And yes, that does include halftime. Yeah, and they're prompt. I mean, they remind you of like like I I had a I had a boss at one point that if it was if there was a meeting at two and it was two oh one that meeting had started. That's what they do. I mean, it's, when they say they're starting at ten in the morning, they don't mess around. That ball is kicked off at ten in the morning. They do, and I love that because I mean, my wife is not exactly a sports fan, and she tolerates my sportsness uh, on a case by case basis. <laughs> she knows, of course, that. I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm going to want to watch a Seahawks game. Um, and again, I, I play ball in terms of that. If there's something going on and it's during the game, then I'm not going to watch it. But 
it's not an easy position to convince her that for four hours on a Sunday, I'm going to be unavailable, that I'm going to watch this when we, can, we could be going and doing something. Like that makes no sense to her. And partly it's because her dad wasn't really in sports. So she doesn't have a lot of frame of reference other than just being married to me. Flip that, talk about soccer half that time. And again, two hours max. And so on football, sometimes, I mean, she'll walk in, she'll be like, how much time is left? And I'm like, oh, it looks like about five minutes. She's like, oh, so like another 45 minutes. And she's not wrong because yeah, five minutes in football can easily be half hour, 45 minutes because you got timeouts and you got people running out of bounds and then you've got commercials and you got all the things that come in that then just lengthen that whole experience. But soccer, no, no commercials during each 45 period, only commercials in the middle. They stick pretty rigidly. They do add some time in there, but they factor that time in that two hours. So you have in two hours, a wonderful experience and the rest of your day. A delicious sports meal. And if you go all in, which, hey, we're, we're going to say that's that's a good thing. You want to watch multiple games? You could watch two games in the time of one NFL game. Mm-hmm. So two hours. That's come on, people. Give, give it, give it it's two a small hours. commitment. Give it two hours. Yeah, jump on it. Next one. This one plays a little bit into that last point that you made about choosing your team. Soccer has some of the best jerseys in sports. Absolutely. I own my I get I get comments or compliments on my Chelsea shirt anytime I wear it. It's I wear shirt. my Chelsea jersey. People see it, they make either somebody who is a fan of the Premier League or people who just say, "Oh, slick looking soccer jersey." Always every time. Or people that are concerned about the fact that it spells tires with T-Y-R-E-S. Mm, yeah, Yokohama Tires. The, yes, the advertisement. Yes. Which we should take a moment to address really quickly. Sometimes there's confusion because, yes, there are advertisements on these jerseys. Um, if done right, I, I actually advocate that they become a part of the jersey. It does. It looks sweet. That it would almost look weird if it wasn't there. I love me some Yokohama Tires, actually. <laughs> I thought doesn't? Yokohama Tires is an upgrade over Samsung for right. Chelsea. Like I like <laughs> the look of it. So to me... Yeah, give me the yoke because I think like the the really random ones like Emirates Air has so many you know yeah, throughout you don't the know world who you're, yeah which, you know? which which jersey are we looking at here so you know so I, I I'm okay with the advertisements and it also like represents a moment in time so you know when you got that jersey yep yeah I mean most of the time the the sponsors are with them for quite a while but there can be some some changes up here and there uh, but. Um, what's confusing for sometimes is for people is that they see this this large advertisement on the on the chest point and they think like are you advertising that and they miss the crest which is usually in the the top left uh, portion and so like for example um, uh, I do follow the MLS as well and no surprise to people that know me uh, I follow the Sounders because they're out of Seattle um, the Sounders are sponsored by Xbox and so they have a big Xbox across the the, the bar or at least professional where. gamer dude <laughs> right no but they, they people see that and they're like Xbox all right and I'm like Sounders actually you know and again I get it it's it's larger than the actual crest um but but it looks I think it looks sweet. it looks cool I, I think it looks I had cool. a I had my person who works in my group actually asked me when I wore my Chelsea jersey uh a couple of weeks ago uh, she goes, is that a Japanese soccer jersey? Because it says Yokohama Tires yeah. on it. And I was like, no, 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 it's Chelsea. Look. And I pointed to it and explained it. But I, no, I'm, I'm all about it. I think, I think across the world, there are, like, there are jerseys for teams that I don't root, that I don't watch regularly that I kind of want to get just because yeah. they're sweet. And if you talk with most soccer fans who've been around for a while, most of the time they'll have multiple jerseys. That's just because they're just appreciating all different teams from, 
all across the world, national and otherwise. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 cause they, I think they're very artistic. Um, it's just, it's, it's done with a different flair. Like sometimes the NFL jerseys are kind of just done very industrially. It's like, I mean, think of like the giants, right? There is nothing flair about that Jersey. It is just a blue Jersey with gray numbers on it. Uh, but you go and, um, you look at the soccer jerseys and one thing that's kind of good and bad is that every year they change their Jersey mm-hmm. every year. Now that's a little frustrating to people that always want to wear the current stuff. Cause then you're plunking down a lot of change. Don't get me wrong. They're expensive. Um, side point, they're actually really well made. So if you can resist the marketing for the next shirt, you actually have a good shirt that's going to, I have shirts that last me like 10, 12 years and they still look fine. Yeah. I mean, these things are really, really well made, uh, but they're just, they're just more creative. They're more interesting. I, I find them so much better. Yeah, for sure. So I like it definitely the jerseys and why that relates to yours, Steve is because as you're looking for a team, you might then consider what's their jersey look like? I mean, oftentimes these these jerseys have similarities uh, year to year because again, you're not just throwing everything out completely year to year. Like you have colors, you have um, certain look and feel. Yeah, I mean, the crest of Chelsea, as I like to say, it's a sexy lion. It's a lion in a sexy pose. I call it the sexy lion. Yeah, I, I so guess. So, uh, you know, he's kind of looking the other way. Like, so, yeah. So, one of the things that's nice about Chelsea, sexy lion. Sexy lion. Yeah. Stop and that's advocating never changing. for people to join your team. Right? That's never that's changing. How, so, if you're looking for a works. team, no, sexy lion. Stop it. Um, so, but you could actually factor that into your decision making is do I like this jersey that this team is wearing and or just the colors they use and or the crest? Well, does they Everton have. have like a well on it? No, it's a, it's the, it's, uh, um, <laughs> it's it Rupert's is. Tower and it's like this, like, <laughs> kind of small little thing but yeah. it's cool i like it looks like a well um <laughs> no <laughs> anyways the final thing of course is come for the soccer but stay for the hair the haircuts man you cannot deny oh my gosh these guys really first off they're very young I mean, sometimes these players are signed like even at eight and nine, which is wild. I don't know exactly how that works, but um, but even at say sixteen and seventeen, some of these dudes are now professional, not not again semi pro, professional players p- getting paid unhealthy amounts of money to do this thing. So you got these young guys once they get probably out of their parents' house, um, who have lots of money at their disposal and I guess just decide that they need to blow it somehow. They want to freak that haircut up like Paul Pogba. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is a French player. You um, Actually, this World Cup, for whatever reason, he has done nothing to his hair. Which yeah, is I was bizarre. pretty disappointed about that. Because almost every game, he had something different. He did something different with his hair. He plays yeah. for um, Andy, who doesn't like to be mentioned on the podcast team, um, Manchester United, and he... Wait, who was who that? Andy, Andy, oh, okay. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, and he, yeah, he does something a little bit different with his hair every time. Actually, there's a picture I love that it was when Barcelona um, won. I don't think it was the Champions League when they won um, the Spanish League. Um, it was Messi and all his teammates, and Messi was dressed like a dad. So Messi had like an, you know, oversized, I think like button-up shirt and a pair of khakis sure. that didn't quite fit. And then you have like Neymar with like gold shoes and his freaky crazy hair, and like the rest of the team was just dressed up ridiculous. And Messi looked like he was just there to like load them into the <laughs> minivan and take them home. Um, he was the designated driver. Yeah, you get people who just have outrageous, outrageous haircuts, and I'm sure people have seen it in the World Cup. Yeah, long hair, short hair dyed hair uh i mean you name it it's 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 in the game somewhere and so and sometimes actually legitimately good hair 
Um, so that's not that gets all kind of wild. And a lot of good hair. The, the Ronaldos and the Beckhams of the world that just Harry you know, Kane. You know, I mean, Harry it looks Kane like he is, stepped out of a World War II documentary. Yeah, Harry Kane looks like he's like could be like yeah, a spy. He's a spy. Well, he is a spy. Yeah, he's a spy. Although the, when he talks, he sounds like he has a bunch of gauze stuck in his mouth. I just, I just went down there and I scored a goal, goal and I just had to just put it in the back of the and so it was great. Yeah. But um, yes, the hair is legendary and you absolutely will be entertained if you tune in, if only, to take in the hairstyles. Good and bad. So what were your three again? My three were set two hours every time, most unless it's a cup-typed game. You're most of the time guaranteed two solid hours of enjoyment. Uh, the jerseys are incredible and the hair again come for the soccer but stay for the hair three good reasons so uh hope that you guys uh enjoyed a little bit of longer of an episode today but we're passionate about soccer we love it we like it a little bit. hopefully we we convinced a couple people to check out a couple games as always we appreciate you listening and we should note the world cup final is airing on sunday sunday 11 eastern and that would be eight o'clock on the pacific coast france versus croatia yes so massive underdog in croatia old world in france about a lot of a younger team but sort of a team with rich rich in tradition um so you know should be a good matchup should be interesting uh if you guys want to email us on anything tell us anything you've uh, decided to watch soccer or any thoughts social currency one at gmail.com that's because social currency was taken and if you want to reach out to us, we're going to post stuff this week, soccer related as we go, uh, social currency podcast on Facebook. You can find us and like us on there. Absolutely. So as always, thanks for listening and we will, uh, talk to you next week. Later. Later.